the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. Come to you live at youtube.com slash cover3 and everywhere you get your podcast on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Those of you who are hanging out live, smash the subscribe, smash the like. Hey, come and join us in the chat. Chat already bumping here as we are counting down the days. Three of them until the official beginning of the college football season on Saturday with week zero. Seven games on the slate, uh, Notre Dame and USC highlighting it. But, you know, there's lots of winners to be had, which, oh, man, it feels good. We got week zero locks coming up on Thursday. So come get them. You want them. These locks, they will be on Thursday. Come hang out, watch live Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern time on YouTube.com slash cover three. Coming up in a little bit. We will get to one of our uh, preseason traditions, which is taking a look at coaches who are on the hot seat and especially through the lens of the expectations as set by the odds makers and in general, kind of the moving pieces of the potential coaching carousel, you know, what we are going to see, what might happen. And maybe, and I, I like this as a wrinkle from Bud this year, maybe who's not on the hot seat this year, but could be going into next year uh, unless things play out a little bit differently. So a lot of hot seat conversation coming up in a little bit, but uh, first running through some headlines and, and listen, there's a gang of QB one news. No, 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 not at Alabama. No, 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 not at Ohio state, but, and I, I want to go ahead and we'll encompass them all. Grab what you want. Uh, Tom, we've got DJ Uyunglele, likely the starting quarterback at Oregon state still reports last time I checked, but I don't have any reason to doubt based on where the reports are coming from. Jaden Rashada at Arizona State, uh, the former highly touted, the saga of Jaden Rashada's recruitment, it's going to end up with him being QB1 for Kenny Dillingham at Arizona State. Former Texas A&M quarterback, Haynes King at Georgia Tech, or maybe there's another one. We did miss the emergency podcast for Luke Altmeyer, uh, officially named the starting quarterback at Illinois, but certainly um, that was a little bit more expected. Uh, of these and recent quarterback announcements, which one stands out to you as being the most interesting? For me, it's the Rashada announcement that he'll be starting at Arizona State. And I think, you know, Drew Pine also transferred 
to Arizona State from Notre Dame, and he was the guy that was expected to be the starter. And Kenny Dillingham said, you know, Drew Pine, I can't remember what the exactly the injury is, but he's been banged up in practice and it allowed Rashad to take the job. And there's a chance Pine might not be healthy for the opening game of the season, which is one of the reasons Rashad has the starting gig. But I think this is probably long-term the smarter move anyway, whether Pine's healthy or not, because if you're Kenny Dillingham and you're taking over this program this year, like it's kind of understood this is a rebuilding year and you're going to be moving on to the Big 12. So you've got Rashada. I would rather find out what I have in this kid and give him a year of experience playing before we move on to the Big 12 and see, you know, just to give him that experience that you need. Whereas with Pine, we saw Pine last year, and there were a lot of other problems with that Notre Dame offense besides the quarterback spot, but you kind of know what you have there already. So as far as upside play and preparing for 2024, I think using Rashada in 2023 is the smarter move. All right, so that was the one I was going to pick. Um, Let's build on it because listen, this is a like a. What, here's what stands out to me: um, Bud Elliott said from watching Jaden Rashad at camps that the dude walks with confidence, like chest out, like I am. I am meant to be here. This is for me. And Bud, if it, it wasn't you, it might have been Andrew Ivins. I'm sorry, but I. I I just have always had in my notebook on Jaden Rashada that he is not afraid of the moment. He is not afraid of being able to go and get this if he was going to be given the opportunity, even when this was way back at Florida, of course, now being at Arizona State. So the fact that they even had the, um, you know, like, oh, no, Drew Pine, he got uh, he's dealing with a little soft tissue injury. You know, we're just going to put him to the side. It it almost smelled like, okay, so we're going to see Jaden Rashada or at least here in fall camp, Jaden Rashada was going to have a chance. The fact that he was able to go up there and take that job, I think is super encouraging in the long term for Arizona State. I, I agree with you on that. Um, now, granted, like, would he have got the job if Drew Pine had not gotten hurt? I kind of doubt it, but we'll see. Look, Rashada, for, if you guys haven't seen him, he does have a big arm. I think he throws a really nice deep ball. Um, you know, ma- Maturity-wise, I think he has a little bit of work to do, obviously, but he, he's, you know, he's like 19, so he, he's not... He's not 23. We'll see how, how he handles it. And their uh, their schedule early on is is not friendly, mm-hmm. right? So they they're gonna like, like he doesn't get a whole lot of these just kind of ease into it ball games. I, I, I was looking at it earlier actually for for something. Um, I mean, Southern Utah is a nice one to open up with, but then they got Okie State and Gundy's trying to bounce back this year and Fresno State and then USC at Cal is your first road game to go face a Justin Wilcox defense and then Colorado, which I. I kind of like Colorado this year if they stay healthy. Uh, certainly, I, you guys know my skepticism about the backups there. At Washington, host Washington State. At Utah, at UCLA, host Oregon, finish with Arizona. Like where? You, you better get a big breath against Southern Utah before you go under because you, you may be swimming for, for the next 11 games if you hold on to the job. But I do think Kennedy Dillingham works really well with quarterbacks. I, I know Jordan Travis uh, enjoyed having him as, you know, as his OC there in Tallahassee and obviously did nice work last year with Bo Nick. So pretty good track record of working with guys who have a lot of room for improvement, but have a high upside. So I'm, I'm excited to see how this plays out. Are you at all surprised switching quarterbacks at DJU got the starting job at Oregon state? Were you expecting it? Cause I know you were high on the freshman that they have coming in. Aiden Childs. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I looked at the comments that uh, Jonathan uh, Smith made and you can read them on, on Beaver blood. They do a tremendous job there or Oregon state 24 seven sports site. Um, it just doesn't seem like they're going to start the true freshman. And uh, DJU, the 
the the wow plays from him have just been very wow and i think that everybody just wants to see uh the wow happen more consistently which you know what that checks based mm-hmm. on everything we've seen over the last you know what 20 something games as kids played uh we just need to see the consistency more and the, the, the consistent decision making but i do think when he's on that does give a different type of upside to that offense so I, i'm not shocked but uh, Man, it would have been cool to see Charles too. Just, just to be right. Yeah. Just so you can get yourself a little victory lap on that one. Absolutely. All right. So, if I am, I am more interested in what happens if um, DJ Uyunglele does not play well, mm-hmm. because that's where like the frustrations were creeping in during his time at Clemson. You know, that's where it seemed like things were a little bit clunky. He has gone on the record and put a lot of that blame on Clemson on the offense they were running, you know, let's let's see if he's going to be, look, all this, if he all of a sudden looks, you know, smooth and in the zone and there's a lot of cohesion and rhythm, there might be something to it. It, it also just might be a, a DJU thing in terms of, you know, getting uh, everything rolling in the right direction. So I'm, it, when he starts to face adversity, that's when I'll, I'll be able to think, okay, all right, now, now we get to see whether or not this is a better place for him. Yeah, because like no knock to Ben Gulbrinson or uh, Chance Nolan, the two kids that primarily played for QB last year for Oregon State. That team won a lot of games with some pretty ordinary QB play. So if yeah. DJ can take that job and just kind of live up to his potential, not even be, not even live all the way up, not be the superstar, but just be a positive factor for them on offense, that's a team that can win a lot of games again this year. All right, Tom, let me ask you this. If you take DJ from last year, last year's DJ, and you put them on last year's Oregon State team, are there any games you think they win? Like, they lost to USC by a field goal. By a, yeah. You know, 17-14. Now, Utah blew them out. And honestly, that was in part because uh, Oregon State threw uh, – it, it was a lot of turnovers in that ball game. I think maybe a special teams uh, fumble too. But uh, Or at Washington, they lose by a field goal. Is with no improvement baked in. Is last year's DJ one win better for that team last year? I think it could be. I think so. Yeah, and like a couple coin flip situations like that where he just makes one decent play with his legs or with his arm instead of just I don't know a turnover. Because that was one thing with Nolan and Gulbertson. they turned the ball over too much. But again, DJ, that they were two. He to be fair, it up they, last they were three though. and two mm-hmm. in one score games. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, it, it, it wasn't like they, like they had bad close game luck. I mean, they they, they won more than they lost in close situations. But um, know. also, I'm happy Haynes King is a starter at Georgia Tech because that way I could at least keep using the "you dropped this King" meme if he fumbles. So I appreciate that from the Yellow Jackets. I, I good luck to Haynes King. That's a that's a, that, that's a, that is an offense that is um it is a little bit depleted. When it comes to the uh, the the proven the proven difference makers, Honest. did you see the tweet from Mark Ennis? No. Oh, okay. He's hold on is because he's it Mark Ennis who um uh, you know is on the Louisville beat and he Louisville plays Georgia Tech on the Friday night of Week One. He said he was scouting Haynes King and what was the line? You have he it? said uh, watching Haynes King highlights now, uh, and I know who he's who Louisville will face in the opener against Georgia Tech. He looks like he's throwing the ball while receiving step-by-step instructions in his ear on how to throw the ball. <laughs> well, listen, it, is, I mean, that is a Jimbo Fisher quarterback. That, Yeah, 
Yeah. Like, so I'm, not, I'm not going to put that on Haynes on that right now. He might have been, honestly. Jimbo might have, you know, been cheating in him. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I, want, I want your honest reactions, though. When you found out Haynes King was the Georgia Tech QB, what was your initial thought? I, that was that. I expected that. I mean, I knew that Pyron was the other one who was kind of in the running right there. And, you know, there was uh, people who I talked to who were naming Pyron. It seemed like it was a lack of confidence in Haynes King. I was I thought it's a floor play because if you're Brent Key, uh, granted we've gone over the we we think Georgia Tech is broke narrative. Um, you can't go three and nine this year, I, I think. Right, like mm-hmm. four and eight is very acceptable. Five and seven, six and six, I think would be immediately Great. accepted. Yeah. yeah, I think the, if you if you're playing King, it's like, hey, can we please win the games that we are supposed to win? Like, can we beat South Carolina State? Can we beat Bowling Green? Can we get one of Virginia or Clemson or Boston College, right? Like, as an absolute floor and hopefully pick off one or two more. Maybe maybe if we run really good, make a bowl. Because uh, there are certain games you're going to lose regardless of who you play. Right. right. Like They're not winning at Clemson. They're not beating Georgia regardless of where it's played. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um. Here's a good question from uh, from the live chat. Uh, Quantrell Nose wants to say, why was Haynes King ranked so high coming out of high school? And he was a uh, a blue chip prospect. So, I mean, not to put you on the spot here, bud, but what was what bud, was what the, the hell were you thinking? <laughs> yeah. Um, so generally, we, we, we like guys who have uh, good production and also showcase good tools, uh, get positive reviews when they go. Uh, to camps, both by us and by other evaluators, and I mean, King basically checks all those boxes, He's and yet we still miss hundred pounds. Like you know, pretty good we, size, pretty good arm. We still miss plenty, guys. Like it is really hard to do this, and I mean, I'm confident twenty four seven sports is like the best evaluating staff out there. We have a number of guys who have worked in front offices who who have done this, you know, for a living. Like to get fired if you get it wrong. Uh, enough times type thing and i know that we also have like the biggest evaluating staff as well like i think we get the most eyeballs on kids and yet we're still gonna miss a ton and look maybe king i think i think this question came from an honest like oh no 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 yeah positive uh evaluation that was pretty much across the board right no no what what i'm saying is like pretty good tools right and guy who was fairly productive in high school now i do think that to to mark's tweet i kind of chuckled about it i was like how many times in a row has Jimbo taken a guy who's really athletic mm-hmm. and tried to turn him into a precision passer? Like mm-hmm. we, don't, we, we have things to get to get to get to on the show. But if you guys ask me that on a mailbag question, I've done some research on this, and it's 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 like he keeps trying to just man thread that needle. And I'm like, just get a guy who is okay physically, but who's who's very smart up here and is accurate on the underneath stuff. It's a precision passing progression read underneath system for the most part. Like you don't. I think he's trying to recreate Jameis and thread the needle. It's just unfortunate Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't own 24-7 sports because then you'd get to be wrong for 20 straight years. before. See, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Congrats, by the way. Thank you. Although he's already messing it up. So anyway. Hmm? Wait, he's selling the team? No, no. He fired the GM and the president yesterday. Okay. But he's still in charge. Failing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So are you confident now? No, because I, I've seen his plans to replace them. So, <laughs> Do you know who he consulted, by the way? Tony LaRusso. Yeah. yeah. 
I was writing a feature this morning and I just saw a text come through to Tom that said TLR is back. Yeah. I was like, oh no. Well, uh, it, it could be worse. You could have your boys asking, can we, can we watch Wander Wander highlights this morning? luckily they're young enough to where they don't actually know uh (laughs) that like i'm showing the highlights from you know a couple months ago but uh we're definitely taking nominations for is that a young enough joke wander franco's favorite highlights are usually 14 or 15 years old yeah oh Um, my gosh all right let's let's power on through the rest of these headlines (laughs) uh right after we got off the show monday uh, it turns out that michigan is going to self-impose a three-game suspension for jim harbaugh now we remember it was going to be a four-game suspension agreed to with enforcement in michigan committee on infractions rejected that deal NCAA got all chesty. They said, this is not a cheeseburger. And now Michigan is going to do the three-game suspension. I, I don't know. I want to jump on y'all's toes. Any, what's, the, what's the big take here? They don't want to they, all right, listen. They don't want to punish 2024. Your 2024 schedule is 100% going to be more difficult than your 2023 schedule. If you are dealing with a two game suspension, three game suspension, four game suspension, no matter what. And so you get this out of the way and it's the like olive branch of, Hey, we're playing nice. We're not being defiant, which is an important narrative when one of the major violations is misleading investigators. So I, I get it across the board. I don't know whether it will help the situation, but it definitely to me read along the lines of um, we are not going to have these kinds of opponents for the first three or four games of next season. We're going to be talking about an expanded big 10 and they're probably going to want Michigan against one of the newbies in one of those first conference games. So don't, don't all of a sudden roll the dice on the committee on infractions and risk not having Jim Harbaugh. If he's there for uh, games of more significance than East Carolina, Bowling Green, and UNLV. What? Why do they not give him four? Like and 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 dare the committee to give him one more next year because the four are East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers. Like I'm not sure those teams will combine to score 40 points, and you're going to score 40 in all those games anyway. Like what? Why not do that? And that way, if they te- if they kick another one on, all right, yeah, I'm curious about this. Jim Harbaugh is a stubborn sob. Jim Harbaugh is a very good football coach, but when Jim Harbaugh believes something, it is very hard to get him to change his mind about something. And Jim Harbaugh does not believe he should be suspended for anything, let alone for games. So in order to convince him to do this, probably took a hell of a lot of work from his Michigan administration and his bosses to get him to do it. And they said, okay, how about we just do three? Kind of as a compromise instead of four. And that's what they could get him to agree to. So maybe the NCAA will add on, but I doubt it. I think they'll probably just settle for three. And I think the fact that they actually got Harbaugh to agree to it to begin with says somebody there is very good at what they do. (laughs) Shout out to the live chat and uh, fbschedules.com. Currently, the opponent for September 7th, week two, is the Texas Longhorns. Mm. So Bowling Green, Texas. Bowling Green, Texas. Yeah, I, I, I kind of get where they're coming from uh, on that one. Um, let's see. Uh, and finally, on, on the recruiting trail, five-star defensive lineman Edric Houston uh, picks Ohio State over Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and USC. Ohio State cooking on the trail right now. Um, they are still behind Georgia for number one. I'm pulling that yeah. off the top of my head. All right, cool. Um, but this is a, a great sign. What do we see in Houston, and what do you see from the Buckeyes right now on the trail? 
So, guy who already has college ready size. I mean, he's six three, two sixty ish. He also runs track at that size, which is a great sign for his athleticism. Um, and he's a dude who I think is is somebody who could play early for Ohio State because he has some real ability to use his hands. He like he's not going to be somebody who's going to get there, and Larry Johnson has to completely teach him how to play the position. Like I'm sure he's going to coach him up a lot, but he's not one of these dudes who's just huge tools upside, but is not also productive, right? Like he's played a very high level of football in Georgia for Buford and has been productive. Plus he has the size and some good measurables. We, we currently have him in the top 32. So mm-hmm. that's like, that, that, that's a really nice get there for Ohio state. And I think Ohio state has, I looked at this really quick this morning. So it could be wrong. Five, I think five have, stars? Yes. But also I think they have like seven or eight of the top 10 players committed to the entire conference mm-hmm. are committed to the Buckeyes. So um, I'm extremely so, bullish on Michigan's player development, but that's a lot of player development you need to do if you want to stay on top of this league in the long term. Because Ohio State, uh, they're they're striking back pretty good, and that's a, a really nice get for them. Losing to Michigan keeps you from being complacent. It does Ryan Day is that is that keep Ryan Day from the hot seat? We'll is see. Ryan Day on the hot seat? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jordan wants us to give a shout out for Tennessee getting very twitchy. Pass rusher Jordan Ross. Eh, about that, Jordan? I'll see where he transfers to in two years when he wants to win. <laughs> I thought we talked about him last show. Jordan Ross, I, Tennessee. I gotta tell you, man. Like, if I'm if I'm a, a, a pass rusher, given like how much Tennessee Tennessee throws the ball, <laughs> how often they have the lead, and how many snaps they play. If my if one of my goals is playing early, and I, and I I don't know if we're supposed to do this or not do this, but like from a fit standpoint. I'm going to get on the field a lot if I have any kind of real pass rush juice because there's a lot of games where Heupel's going to blow the opponent out. And, I mean, the defense also, the offense played 90 snaps. What? <laughs> he, well, yeah, you know, it's like I'm the excited old, to see this kid. The the lock of the – one of the locks of the season last year was like Tennessee first quarter, Tennessee first half mm-hmm. just because that offense would get off to hot starts, which means that the opponent is playing from behind, having to throw the ball a lot, which means get cooked if you're a good pass rusher. It's a – a path one more on recruiting yeah sure uh lincoln riley got juju lewis the number one player in the class of 20, 2026 big time quarterback prospect again it's way too early to say who's going to finish number one in the class of 2026 mm-hmm. but uh i'd rather have the number one guy right now than not i think and at that position um, i had a buddy of mine yesterday he said hey if you took plus 110 on every Lincoln Riley quarterback for the Heisman over yes. the last six or seven years, you're up money. Yes, <laughs> that's kind of insane, right? Yeah, yeah. I was my the uh, the Lewis storyline that I immediately jumped to. I was like, okay, so is he going to reclass? Because that's, I mean, any of these guys when you commit way down the line, then if you're a USC fan, you the you do not want him to actually make it to the 2026 cycle because that's just more time for him to flip. We, we just put out our, our 2026 first top 100, which is, I mean, ask Andrew Ivins, ask Patagna, any of those guys, like one of the absolute hardest things that we do. And I have no idea if this kid's going to reclassify. I've been like very head down in season prep. And then just when it came to the 2026, I think we had like two meetings and basically you just, you, you, you send in your, your guys that you've actually seen in person. And you're like, okay. This basically, it's like, does this kid have a chance? Did he actually play varsity, right? Or if he didn't play varsity, was he stuck behind a guy 
who was like a high level power five kid. There's a real reason why he didn't, you know, start last year at that position. And we have like a verified time on him or something like that. It, uh, a top 100 list for 2026 is incredibly hard to put together. But Lewis might be at the top. Pe- yeah. oh, people will read it. There is no doubt. And <laughs> yes. Yeah. Love it. Coming up on the other side, looking at the hot seat for this year, maybe for next year. If Vegas is right, what is in store for Neil Brown, Jimbo Fisher, Tom Allen, and more next? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's right. For those of you watching on youtube.com slash cover three, you just saw it. If you're listening and it's Wednesday and it's before Wednesday evening, check out the Galazzo Network because that is the way that you can see Lionel Messi and enter Miami go up against FC Cincinnati. The messy gravy train making a stop here uh, at the Galazzo <laughs> Network, and so uh, we're excited. I'll be I'll be dialed in, uh, and I'm sure you will too. So, lots of uh, different ways to attack this. Uh, Bud introduced this a couple years ago, and I like it as a way to frame the conversation around the hot seat. Is when we have objective data, like a win total, we can at least say, all right, if if this win total does represent the outcome at the end of the season. Do we think that this coach is still going to be employed? We also have Dennis Dodd's hot seat rating to be able uh, to help frame the picture. And we're going to be referencing a little bit of all that here. So I want to begin with a question. Is there any other coach at the power conference level that you feel is on a hotter seat than Neil Brown at West Virginia? No, but... I don't think I th- I think him and Tom Allen are in very similar situations. I just think that there's more attention placed on West Virginia because of the new AD and the fact that we all thought he would be fired at the end of last year. And also because Indiana, I mean, I don't say this is an insult. It's a basketball school. It cares. So you don't really get that kind of passion about the football team that you do their basketball program. So, you, But no, I think they're very much in similar situations where like we'll get to here with their win totals. I think they are both very likely not to survive the season. Is there, is this a one game? First of all, I I don't think that it should be a one game matters type thing, but if he goes bowling, does that, is that enough to save his job or does he need to go like seven and five? Yeah. So the over under is five and a half, the over at plus plus one thirty. the under minus minus one sixty. So the debate on the win total for West Virginia, as we talked about it in our big 12 win totals episode is, do you think this is a bowl team? And for a group that when I filled out my projected order of finish, I had them near the bottom of the big Mm -hmm. 12. I had them losing more conference games than winning. I had them, you know, going under this total. I think this is a four and eight football team. If Neil Brown coaches out the year, which would, in my opinion, probably lead to a change for, I mean, Tom mentioned new AD. We're doing changeover at the basketball program in the wake of Bob Huggins. Like this is hitting the reset button on the entire athletic department. Um, And I, I would imagine that the number, how about this? I think the number for Neil Brown to keep his job is seven or more 
And that's regular season, obviously, because these decisions yes, are made yes. before the bowl games. Correct. Yeah, I'm like a, a seven and five or eight and four season. Because think about what you have to do to get there, given West Virginia's schedule, which includes both Penn State and Pitt. Yeah. Like you have to go and log a notable non-conference win to get on up there to seven or eight. You have to beat um, what's one some of the better teams in your conference. So if they are seven and five, eight and four, then they they've been able to uh, you know put a couple uh, you know put put some trophies uh, up on the on the mantle in the hunting cabin and I I think that that could get Neil Brown on to the next season but five and five and seven six and six I don't think will do it. I do wonder like something you mentioned though if that could play a role like with the basketball situation going on. Does the AD want to kind of conduct a basketball coaching search and then immediately do a football coaching search? Or might there be a chance that because of the basketball program, Neil Brown gets an extra year if they go five and seven or six and six and they just kind of hover on that? I don't think that's the case, but it's possible. And also, West Virginia is apparently dealing with some financial issues. I'm pretty sure they cut like the English department, the math department. It's like they've cut everything. I think they're only going to be teaching bowling at this point. So I just... I don't know what the overall situation is there, but I I do think the biggest factor in all this is the start of that schedule. Because this is a West Virginia team that could be like in their first four FBS games, not counting, I can't remember who they play out of the FCS level, I think Richmond. But not including those games, they could lose all of them. Like this is a team that could easily be one and three, one and four going into its bye before the buyout bowl against Houston. So there's a chance that with that buy before the game, he might be fired before then if things get off to a slowish start. All right. Where do you want to go next? What coach you want to put in the spotlight? But you just mentioned the buyout bowl. You know, Dana? Mm-hmm. Let's 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 go Dana Holgerson. Yeah. I was surprised at some of the in in my like preparation and sort of gathering a lot of hot seat stuff. I feel like I am closer towards Dana's on the hot seat than some others. I think that there is a belief that Dana Holgerson, who did win 11 games two years ago, you know, that Dana Holgerson is is the right person to lead that program into the Big 12 era. But I'm looking at a win total of five with the under-juiced. And I think this is a hot... I, I think that for a university that was moving on from Major Applewhite for winning seasons and going to bowl games. What was it? Eight and four is not good enough. Yeah. 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 I, I, I kind of think that if the odds makers are right, and this is a four and eight team, maybe five and seven at best that Houston might be looking to move on to Dana Holgerson. I think Dana Holgerson's on a hotter seat this year, like immediately than, uh, than, than what appears to be the, the case in the marketplace. All right. So if he does go five and seven, Missing a bowl, we've seen the comments before. By was it the university president who said we we, we fire coaches for going nine and three? Yeah, that's what Thomas was saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was it now, the president or was it the booster for Tita Tillman for Tita? Yeah, I thought it was the president. I, I for for Tita certainly had high expectations. I, I mean, well, look, they Tita's lost. Also how you that's get what I mean. Who is he saying it for? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could see an argument of hey, it was the first year. In the Big 12, um, they've had some tough luck. Like they tried to do the whole, you know, Derek King red shirt thing, remember? And then that that didn't work out because like he he left anyway. They've lost a bunch of players to transfer 
in the offseason. So uh, I think Houston would need to take a hard look inside and say, hey, like, are we really spending in such a way that would would justify our expectations? Like geography is nice, but you also need to spend to keep the players if you successfully mine that geography uh, and get those good players. Uh, and also, like, are you going to fire a guy for missing a bowl by one year in a new league? But I still could absolutely see it. Yeah, I, I'm a little closer to chip here. Uh, but a lot of it would depend on on how it looks, I think. Are you losing to teams that also just joined the Big 12? And mm-hmm. if so, like how badly, right? Oh, what are if you, UTSA comes for it right out the they gate? They might. Yeah, which they certainly could. They almost did last year. Yeah. I like uh, this. Was I've, I've heard this sentiment before. Uh, JJ, who's watching live with us. Thank you, JJ. He says, trying to bet Houston games the last few years has been so frustrating because you can't tell if they care or not. Mm-hmm. The Temple game last year, for instance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From not on the sidelines with the Cougs myself, but that is certainly a similar observation that I have had when uh, when watching Houston. And my judgment, again, from the couch, is that that goes back to coaching. That goes back to getting your team mentally prepared to compete. And if they don't look dialed in and if they are appearing that way, then there there's at least some judgment that deserves to go back to the head coach and his staff. If they do finish at their win total, which is five, so they finish five and seven, Dana will have been there for five years and he will have had winning seasons twice. God, you can't do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I I do think that it's a different situation than Brown because of the move up from the AAC to the Big 12. So maybe that buys him some leeway. But I also think there's a chance that this could get ugly early because, like, Bud, you mentioned there's the people that left in the transfer portal, but you've also lost Clayton Toon. You've lost Tank Dell. You've lost the, pretty much the two key parts of your offense last year. I don't know if this is a team that's in a position to just kind of recover from those kind of losses and be solid while also moving up in as far as the quality of team you're going to be playing week in and week out. So this could get ugly. I think that if they're five and seven, six and six ish, but they're not getting destroyed, he could survive. But if things go the way I think they could very easily go, I think I'm with you, Chip. I think he's very much in danger of being fired. Yeah. You, if, if the vibes are horrendous and we have just, I am not expecting a 2018 Louisville situation, but mm-hmm. bottom falling out is uh, is certainly something that is that is on the on the table here. So, Jimbo Fisher, Texas A and M, the Aggies have an over under win total of eight and a half, juice to the under. So that'd be let's let's say eight and four, right? If Texas A and M goes eight and four, is Jimbo Fisher at risk of being fired at the end of this season. Who are the four losses to? That's the like the crucial question. Like, do you beat Alabama, but then mm-hmm. you blow it against Arkansas and Jerry World? Um, I would say if one of the losses is at Miami, it would not be a good start. Uh, I think eight and four is fine. Just, I mean, I think eight and four is fine. You don't think eight and four gets one of those Texas soil guys to reach in their pocket for seventy five million? I don't. Yeah, I don't either. Inflation. However, I do think eight and four with that buyout going down just a little bit for the next year might bump him into a category we'll discuss coming up. Yeah. Like I do think what Dodd had his hot seat rating at four out of five. If AM goes eight and four, I agree with you. I do not think Jimbo Fisher will be fired unless there's stuff behind the scenes we don't know about, like Petrino and him, you know, maybe that not working out. That 
I think eight and four is probably okay as long as we see some signs of progress from the offense. If it looks like he's meddling in the offense and and it looks like Jimbo's offense, even though we know Petrino's offense looks a lot different than Jimbo, so we'll probably be able to tell, then I could see them just finally saying, you know, no more on this. If they go eight and four, I do think he's very close to the top of Dodd's hot seat column to start 2024. I don't think Jimbo's getting fired this year unless the floor completely falls out. Oh, no. Seven and five brings it into t- consideration, and six and six, six and six might do it. I mean, again, it also it's six and six probably should do it. Probably like, should like you should but... you should have more expectations than going six and six when you spend that much money. This is reckless June talk uh, here on the begin like on the eve of the beginning of the season, but we've got a coup potential. Like there is at least like oh. a non yeah 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 there is a non-zero chance that you know. There's a coach in waiting who just got hired as offensive coordinator. If he can ingratiate himself with the right money men around that program, not not I'm, I have not checked in on the coup potential myself, but on the surface, it would be hilarious if Bobby Petrino goes in and executes a coup. I don't know that Sankey would would do this, but don't you think this is where Mike Slive would have picked up the phone and called Ross Bjork and said, nope. "No, sir, <laughs> nope, nope." How much R-I-P. money you guys got? R-I-P. I guarantee you can find a coach to come coach for 100 mil who's not Bobby Petrino. I mean, so you think six and six wouldn't do it? Oh, I think it would. But I, I'm i approaching this from like a uh, more rational standpoint than I think Texas A&M will ever look at anything. Because like you look at this schedule and I mean, you got Miami on the road, you got Auburn, you've got Alabama, you got at Tennessee, you got at LSU, like, this is a really tough schedule, and I don't know what your expectations for this team should you, like truly be, considering how it has performed throughout eternity. So I think six and six is very much in play. He will get fired if they go six and six, but I would I don't know. If if you're if you're close with Alabama, if you're close to Tennessee and you're close to LSU and you lose all those games. I would look at it in a different light. Now, if you're getting blown out by those teams that you think you're supposed to be on level with, all right, cool, fire him. But I just, with the buyout, I think that the floor really has to fall out from beneath them for him to get fired this year. Um, Tom Allen, over under win total of four, Dodd hot seat rating of five out of five. And that's an under minus 160. So we're talking like a three and nine kind of scenario for Indiana. I mean, Tom, does that, it's not even that fun to talk about because it's a like I guess thank goodness Woody's got the basketball program going like you were talking about, but I I don't know what the option would be to go out and make a hire other than the fact that you would be able to back up a Big Ten Brinks truck mm-hmm. and pay a whole bunch of money for somebody to come and probably take losses in an expanded Big Ten where every team that you are adding to the conference is going to be slotted ahead of you in terms of a program power ranking. I don't I don't know what the outcome of this is. It's the outcome is Tom Allen's probably fired. Just I mean, you look at the schedule, they're gonna get blown out in the opener against Ohio State on Paramount Plus and CBS. Um they'll beat Indiana State. They should beat Akron. And then you've got the home game against Rutgers. And you look at the schedule, and really, those are the only three games you can look at on this entire slate where you're like, okay, they've got a chance. Like maybe they could beat Louisville. I doubt it. 
but maybe. At Maryland, they're losing. At Michigan, they're losing. At Penn State, they're losing. Wisconsin, they're losing. At Illinois, they're losing. Michigan State, they're losing. At Purdue, very likely losing. So it's not just the fact that they'll be losing. They'll probably be getting their, you know, brains beat in in a lot of these games because that is a very difficult schedule you already have ohio state michigan and penn state every single year so to get like wisconsin and then to get an illinois team that's you know better now than it has been in recent years and have to go on the road to play them it's just things could get ugly i think that this is the worst team in the big 10 east this year i think rutgers will win more games than they do and i think tom allen's going to get fired as for who the replacement is i don't know but like you said chip they've got big 10 money the conference is moving to a different format starting next season. It will be an attractive gig to somebody. I don't think they're going to pull like a big name coach, but they're going to pull somebody. Somebody will want this job, especially because you won't have to play Ohio state, Michigan and Penn state every year anymore. I mean, look, Tom Allen has made by the end of this year, 40 million at Indiana. That's exactly why somebody will come take this job. It's not a job you can win at, in my opinion. Like I, I don't necessarily think that Tom Allen is a terrible football coach, just like I really don't think Neil Brown is a bad football coach. I do think that if you are at one of these disadvantaged jobs relative to your league, and especially with Indiana relative to your division, you just have to kind of – you got to thread the needle, man, and you got to stay healthy when you have an opportunity to do something special. And I think for Indiana, like special should largely be defined as go to a bowl game. Indiana has gone to a bowl game, was it the last uh, 15 years, four times? Mm-hmm. So three three quarters of the time, guys, they are missing out on a bowl game. And, and since division's even worse. So you really you can't win at Indiana in a way that's going to like really make the fans super happy, in my opinion. But you will get rich. You do get to play on, on national TV and – yeah, like, like that's why somebody will take the job. I just Tom Allen has had a lot of injury problems there that I do think uh, caused the confidence to waver some in his ability to coach. And you know, if he and clearly, I think he knows how to hire somewhat. Like, did Kane he have Kane Womack? Did he have? Did he have? Was rated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Like, I don't think he's incompetent, but clearly, uh, part of this too is a bit of a shell game. If you're an AD, they'll never admit this, but this is really how this works. If you want boosters to keep giving. It's very hard to go to them and be like, hey, I know my guy has gone two and ten and four and eight. And if Vegas is right here again, four and eight or three and nine, but he knows what he's doing. We really are not much better than this, even at our peak. Stay the course. You're like, man, that's not exciting. Boosters want you to lie to them a little bit. Tell me that if I cut you this check, this new guy is going to give us a chance to where if we play our ass off, if we play to our ceiling, maybe maybe our ceiling set at five, and we get all the bounces. Maybe we're nine and three, and maybe two other schools get a probation or something like that. And maybe we can sneak in to that Big Ten title game, or maybe, you know, miss it, but get a Rose Bowl bid or something crazy because of, I don't know, some rule that is yet to be written. They want you to lie to them a little bit. That's why, like, a Neil Brown or a Tom Allen or, or guys like that, eventually they, they get fired because the boosters won't keep giving if they don't believe anymore, even if there's really no reason to believe. I'm just imagining Indiana's athletic director on Shark Tank trying to convince Mark Cuban that this team can win eight games a year. Just all I need is your investment and we can win eight games a year. Oh, I was imagining the ballet and someone saying, Indiana's athletic director to the stage, Indiana's athletic director. <laughs> <laughs> what you, they want, you know, they want a lot of you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
right, one maybe more. I should have higher expectations. But no, I mean, I, I think honestly, like fans get upset when you say this kind of thing about the program. And I know personally because I was a fan of a school in a very similar situation for a long time. The job at Indiana is to give fans something to at least be hopeful about. You don't have to win the league. You don't have to do this. You just have to give them something to be happy with until basketball season starts, until they really kind of divert their attention to the team that truly matters to them. So you don't have to win 10 games. You just got to be flirting with bowl eligibility pretty regularly. Um, Dennis Dodd had a four out of five rating for Dino Babers at Syracuse. Dino's got a win total of six and a half. Over plus 135, under minus 165. So let's say it's a six and six season for the orange. Is Dino Babers on a hot seat where six and six would lead to a change? I think this is nuts. Me too. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. This like, is like the reverse Holgo, where I feel like I'm too strong compared to the marketplace. And then here with Dino, I'm like, Dino's fine. Syracuse is a really hard job. I don't think they have much NIL at all as far as being able to pluck players off other rosters. And judging by the players they lost, I don't think they have a big NIL budget to retain guys. Uh, I mean, they lost guys to programs that are clearly paying for guys. So if you're not spending and you're in up like, like Northern New York in a pretty tough league, if you're that level of program, what are your expectations? They Syracuse has been competitive on the field with good teams and look, they had uh, the, I'm, I'm explaining away from my boy and I promise this isn't just like, you know, the hours I spent on the Dino drop, but like they had a roster at one point um, two years ago that was smaller than an FCS roster because of all of the injury issues and all of the transfer problems and the opt outs. Like it was, um, it, it was really, really dire there for a little bit. And going into last season, the word around that program was like, look, a lot of young guys had to play last year. They got really tough experience, but we were going to be better for it. And what happened? They came out and won the first five or six games of the season. I mean, had trouble finishing, but they beat the teams they were supposed to beat. And that's exactly what you should do as Syracuse is win the games that you are supposed to win and battle for bowl eligibility. And they got there. So I'm, Six and six to me is is Dino's fine. If you take if you take out the COVID year, yeah, he is like he has he has a, a, a ten win season, a seven win season, and then he's had them competing for bowls late into the season in every single other year. I mean four and eight, four and eight, five, which were the first two years, and then since then, if you take the COVID year out, they're one and ten. And like mm-hmm. Syracuse is obviously a program that had co- like that had COVID problems. Like you had kids in like talking to the school paper saying, I don't know if we should play due to this pandemic. Okay, got it. Last four full seasons, 10 and 3, 5 and 7, 5 and 7, 7 and 6. Mm-hmm. I, what more do you want at Syracuse? Yeah, I, I don't a, get it. That's what I was about to say. Like it's it's doing the well, if you don't count these seasons. But yeah, if you take out the COVID year, he's 35 and 39, which isn't great, but then you've got a, the program he took over those first two years was not in great condition. So, you throw out the first two years and you look at those last four full seasons, they're 27 and 23. Like what more can you really expect? At and they're not in the coastal. Up? Yeah, I mean he he's had to play Clemson, Clemson Florida State, Florida and State. NC State with its yeah. act together, and Wake Forest, which is a consistently really good program, and Louisville. Yeah, if you put if you put Q's in the coastal the last few years, I guarantee you they win a few more games than they are. Yeah, and they gave Clemson headaches, like so. Like obviously they've won win, but like also uh, a couple of uh, of close. Uh, 
close defeats along the way. All right. Um, before we hit the break and then talk about sort of a hot seat preview coaches that might be one year away from the hot seat. I would thrown out, let's see, Butch Jones has a win total of four and a half. Uh, Danny Gonzalez at New Mexico has a win total of four. Mike Bloomgren at Rice has a win total of four and a half. Not high expectations for any one of those uh, coaches from group of five programs. Is there any one that stands out in a unique hot seat type scenario? Butch. I would say Butch Jones. Yeah. yeah. Because our, our Arkansas State facilities, when I talk to other Sunbelt guys, are like, Arkansas State's a job you can win at. Arkansas mm-hmm. State's a job that has nice facilities. And in a league where nobody's really paying people NIL, with the exception if you have like a super quarterback, maybe you find some some booster money to kind of hang on to them. Uh, facilities should matter a little bit there, and, and it does feel like they have some of the nicer facilities in uh, in the Sun Belt. So I, I would say not making bowls and just be consistently terrible at, at Arkansas State is, doesn't seem like you're meeting expectations. I mean, look at every coach that's been at Arkansas State. When was the last one who really failed? Like, yeah. there's been a lot of coaches that went there with a lot of games, and Butch Jones is not winning a lot of games. So I, well, I think I'm going to do the nice. run off the top of my head. Let me see if I can get it. It's Malzahn to Harson to Blake Anderson. Mm-hmm. I might be missing one along the way. But was Fedora there for a year? No, or was that Southern, Southern Miss? Miss. No, he was at Southern Miss. That's right. Okay. Where he been? And then, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's just like, it's proven. You can win at Arkansas State, and you should be winning at Arkansas State in the Sun Belt. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, that was echoing in my head too, bud. When you told me about the facilities and the investment that they have from that local community, so they they could probably pony pass the hat around and be able to uh, make the change necessary if Arkansas State turns in a four and eight season. Coming up on the other side, all right, those are the coaches that might be in trouble this year. But what about coaches that could be on the hot seat? next year based on what happens in 2023 next back here on the cover three podcast our annual hot seat check-in before the games get underway after looking at the ones that are on the hot seat this year about the ones that need a good season to avoid such a designation next year bud where would you like to we already mentioned jimbo fisher like that's that is one that is very clear that if it if they turn in eight and four or seven and five, he could still have the job, but going into next season with a lowered buyout, the pressure will be ramped up. Who else? That'll be like the first six out of five rating ever for Dennis Dodd. (laughs) If he goes seven to five, he keeps the job. (laughs) Um, Who, who else is on that list or who stands out to you the most, bud? So basically guys were just for variety of circumstances. it, It would be just pretty unconscionable to, to pull the plug after this season, unless things just go completely off the rails. But we'll use the Vegas numbers here. You know, Florida with Billy Napier, obviously we're seeing the line drop for that game uh, a little bit. I think it was down to like four and a half this morning uh, for the opener at Utah, but they were over-unders five and a half, right? Losing record last year, if you five and a half, like if you make a bowl at six and six, or if you miss a bowl and go five and seven, which are kind of the two Vegas options there, uh, the most likelies. Napier would clearly be uh, a guy with a lot of pressure on him to start the 2024 season. I definitely don't think he's getting fired this year because I would question if Florida would let Scott Strickland make another hire, given how a lot of his hires have gone there in Gainesville. So if you're the AD, you're not really in a rush to make a firing, even if things are bad, if you don't think you're going to be able to make another hire. I don't know, man. That Netflix doc made everything at Florida seem great. Maybe they should bring Urban back. Nothing Weird how the, how the production companies tied into a bunch of – yeah, I, I I didn't watch any of it because I, I, I knew it was just – yeah. Well, Every look, sports here's, doc sucks here, now. 
this, but this is why it works. Cause I got, uh, I've, I've got a group chat full of normies. All right. I love them. You know, I, I truly love them like cousins and brothers. I've known them for three decades, but they're just not in college football, right? You know, they're not eating, sleeping, breathing it. They love the documentary, you know, like they're just like popping off, talking about the weight room scenes and it's so intense and this, that, or the other, and they love it. They're not coming out of it with that long list where it was like, why is there not more of a mention of Aaron Hernandez? Why do we not talk about the DUI before the 2009 SEC championship game? Why do we not talk about this, this? Why don't we talk about this? Why don't we talk about this? Like, so if you're in college football and you are around and covering the sport and close to it, then yeah, you're coming out of that. From what I gather, I haven't gotten a chance to dig in myself with a long list of, um, okay, but what about the rest of it type situation? Mm-hmm. That's my offhanded observation is that the casual audience is probably who it was made for and they like it. Okay. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Billy Napier will have this season. Billy yes. Napier goes five and seven. He's and back. It, he's back, mm-hmm. but probably needs to go eight and four, nine and three. And their 24 schedule is insane. Mm hmm. Mm. I don't know if the I don't I, I don't want to set like a win record on him for 2024, but I think that there'd have to be progress, like noticeable progress, even if it's not completely shown in the record. What about also same hiring cycle, same state? What about Mario Cristobal? See, I, I think he's a made man. Like if if Cristobal doesn't work out down there after working out at a program like Oregon that Miami thinks it's better than, and clearly Cristobal does too, and because he picked Miami over Oregon. Uh, imagine firing the guy, like that guy after two years. You know, he he seems committed to the long, long-term long rebuild thing. Obviously, Miami's recruiting right now is struggling compared to where it was last year and compared to you know what they expected it to be this year. Um, they're probably going to need to show some progress and not look like a complete, you know, clown show on the field, which I think they will actually. So I would expect their recruiting to tick back up a little bit, but um, I I just, I would be shocked if he doesn't get like five years there, almost regardless of how it's going on the field. Yeah, does, safe. At some point it's the program, not the coach. They've had a, quite a run here. Yeah. There's also the, uh, the matter of when you pass around the hat for buyouts, the people that you are going to, who probably helped arrange for him to arrive to begin with, are they going to be really excited to uh, to do it to one of their own? Right? Yeah. I also think Miami's going to have a good enough year this year to where there's really not going to be any kind of talk about it. <laughs> Seven and five, it actually shows improvement mm-hmm. over last year. So mm-hmm. even if you're on the halfway and low of what Vegas has – if Michigan State goes five and seven, do we start talking to uh, was it Matt Ishba, Ishbia? Ishbia. Yeah, do we well, I don't know because he's <laughs> he's pumped a lot of money into the Suns over the last few months. I don't know how much he has left to be paying that buyout on Mel's contract if things go poorly. But I do think that yeah, if Michigan State fails to make a bowl game again this year, then you are looking at a situation where Mel Tucker the going into 2024 will probably be in a you better win early or you might not survive the season mode 
Who else? Zach Arnett. That's tough. It is, but like they didn't do a real coaching search. It's they, an SEC they, job, man. That's and that's yeah. I mean, and I say that it is tough, but also, and that but also is it's an SEC job. If he's not performing, then there needs no. to be accountability for that. If they miss a bowl with a team that you know brings the quarterback back, with a team that say anything negative right now about Mississippi State, what you get on Twitter is they're going to be fine running this offense. We have, you know, 22 senior starters. Or that's not the exact quote, but like it's a super senior team. This is clearly a team that Leach's staff had been pointing to as sort of a, a team that had a chance to if they if they hit their ceiling and they got the breaks elsewhere, right? Like maybe Bama not having a quarterback this year, that maybe they could finally sneak in and go play for an SEC title type thing. I I mean like look, I Roster-wise, this is sort of a team you have to cash in. And so it is important for Zach Arnett to win immediately, in my opinion, at Mississippi State. Otherwise, I think people very quickly will say, look, it was a vibes hire, a continuity hire to keep things together after a tragic situation. But we really didn't do a coaching search. You know, like it is an SEC job. It does pay really well. It's a very hard, very difficult job. So we'll see. I, I just... I think he'll be on the 24 list if they fail to make a bowl. I got one for you guys. I'm watching the chat. I miss a certain presence. I feel like calling somebody, sending a name out to bring the spirit of our super fan, Michael. Marcus Freeman, what happens if Notre Dame goes 8-4 and four this year? Is he on the hot seat heading into 2024? I like how Tom is like leaning towards the chat box to try to summon Michael like the <laughs> candles to yeah. summon Michael Campbell. Eating super Lucky fan. Charms, you know. Um, that would be, that would be brutal. <laughs> that would, if, if they go seven and five, Marcus Freeman is entering next season, needing to win nine games. Yes. I they are 11th in the recruiting rankings right now. Brian Kelly won basically all the games he was supposed to win. And they would lose when they would play more talented teams. But more often than not, he basically played to the chalk almost all the time. The argument for Freeman was continuity. Players loved him. He was going to take the recruiting and take it to the moon. It has improved some. I don't think it's improved enough to tolerate losing a bunch of games that Notre Dame fans who have grown up on Brian Kelly think should be automatic wins. So Marshall, hard- Stanford. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. Um, like they kind of think like an NC State and Wake and those should just be automatic wins. And maybe they will be. Uh, certainly, I think you have to give Freeman the benefit of the doubt. Like everybody you talk to thinks he's a sharp coach and it was his first year being a head coach. So I'm definitely giving the guy the benefit of the doubt. If they go seven and five and the recruiting does not take a big jump, he will be on these lists in 24. It's, it's going to be unavoidable. That's a great job to have. Also a great point from Go Black 45 in the chat. Jack Swarbrick's retiring. It's going to be a new AD coming in who might not have any kind of connection to Marcus Freeman. Mm. Very, very. And we don't know what the new college football playoff format is going to be. So, yeah, I feel Notre Dame will have a seat and probably just an absolute cakewalk way to get in. I'm I'm willing to put some money on that. These Gen Z Notre Dame fans who don't remember the, uh, the the post Holtz years with Ty Willingham and Bob Charlie Davey Weiss. and Charlie Weiss who just think that you know Brian Kelly's the standard. 
Brian Kelly is the modern standard, right? It, well, it's what their standard used to be, but it wasn't for about 20 years. Yeah, right, 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 right. Um, yeah, you've lived through the pain. I mean, what about Brent Venables? I mean, we're sitting, there's a lot of these year two coaches. If they know, go nine and three or 10 and two, there's uh, nine and a half. What I think they if they fail, though. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. No, I was just thinking about like, if Vegas, sorry, isn't, I, I was not thinking outside the box enough. We, we got some absolute. I mean, given Oklahoma's schedule. Seven and five this year. And like, they're going to be fans. Not, I don't know about the administration seven and five with this schedule. Fans are going to lose it. Fans are going to want it now. I still think they would keep him for the, like, like, are you really going to fire a guy and then set the new guy up to get absolutely just dump trucked in his first year in the sec? Bring back Stoops. Yeah, I, I, back I think Stoops. I think if they go seven and five, you're like, all right, hey man, you're gonna coach us in twenty four. If you have an awesome year, cool, we'll keep this thing rolling. If you don't, well, you're getting paid to take some losses here. Uh, I know a coach who has SEC experience as a high level defensive coordinator. <laughs> he doesn't have a job right now except for slinging tequila. <laughs> I think he can come on down and lead us to the promised land in the Southeastern well, Conference. You know how happy Bob Stoops is not having to deal with any of this crap anymore. <laughs> He eats a nice breakfast at the club, <laughs> walks out, plays 18, meets up with some buddies, maybe gets mm-hmm. another 18 after lunch, mm-hmm. goes to a tequila function and calls it a day. Shows up at a pep rally once in a while, says Oklahoma's great, and then goes home. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing life Bob Stoops has found. The dream. Can we go four of these ones that I think are just kind of just wacko? Oh, Pittman? Arkansas, six and a half. South Carolina, six and a half. Rutgers, four. Missouri, six and a half. Like, we're, wh- why? What do you mean? <laughs> like, if like, they reached their I, win. I, I asked on Twitter last night, like, hey, who are kind of four? Like, give me some that, that you guys think are hot seat if, if Vegas is right about their win total. And I got Arkansas, South Carolina, Rutgers, Missouri from mul- multiple people on Twitter. And like, I, I just put these in the this is nuts category. Here's what happens. This is not Twitter, happen. you ask that question if they no, reach their Vegas win total. First, and everybody just thinks, well, if these guys are going to lose and they're going to stink. They're not even thinking about the win total. They're just thinking Pittman's going to get fired because Arkansas is going to go four and eight. They don't think about what the posted win total is. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but yes, you're 100% right. If those teams reach their, ex- if Rutgers goes four and eight, they are not firing Greg Schiano. They yeah. probably give him an extension. <laughs> Uh, and Eli, Eli Drinkwitz, his contract just says six and six. Yeah, like that is that like that is the Eli Drinkwitz Missouri experience. And you thank him that it's not three and nine, you know, that you're able to go out there, win the non-conference games, and get just enough done in conference play to guarantee a bowl game. You know, keep trying to recruit at a high level. Shout out to the state legislature, the state of Missouri, for being able to work things in your favor. Of all the SEC states to pass that law first, Missouri? What the hell are Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and Mississippi doing? What do you, Louisiana, come on, get your crap together. <laughs> Maybe the SEC like didn't go to the legislature in Missouri because they didn't think that the school would actually take advantage of it, right? And like, <laughs> like, maybe like Alabama, do not do this, okay? Like, this, this is a bad look. Um, just kind of forgot to get around to warning them. South Carolina, <laughs> they were there. <laughs> I, I feel like the South Carolina. Fans, which are the best fans in the world, in the those SEC. South Carolina fans, mm-hmm. um, 
I feel like there's so much love for Shane Beamer right now. I can't even mention hot seat. He feels like a negative one out of five. How many times has South Carolina gone to three straight bowls in the divisional play era? It, I mean, it can't Spurrier. be missed since Spurrier the one time. Okay. It's got to be it. I mean, I, Spurrier probably went how many years in a row did they go bowling under Steve? Muschamp might have, actually. Um, like, maybe maybe one three-year period. Let me look here. But it's – you know that like that South Carolina program is in a, a fine spot. Like that's I, I think that that's healthy. I think it's healthier than Arkansas because Arkansas is dealing with that situation where coaches are like coach turnover, one red flag. A lot of players leaving for the transfer portal, another red flag. Like let's see how the season goes, but also let's see how roster management and the off season goes for Arkansas because if. Arkansas, for example, misses a bowl game and then goes into next season with a roster that looks like they're going to be occupying that sixth, seventh spot. Well, I guess, shoot, I don't even know. How, you know what I'm saying? The, mm-hmm. A lower tier of the SEC, then yeah, Pittman could find himself in a position where he needs to be able to turn in a, a pretty good season. Spurrier went to seven straight bowls, by the way, and Muschamp sure. did go to three straight bowls in his first three seasons, which were after Steve Spurrier. So to Bud's point, Seven straight bowl games is the outlier mm-hmm. of that program history. So um, if if Beamer even gets to like three or four, then I think we're talking about somebody that South Carolina is probably going to invest in uh, at a pretty high level. Um, anybody else you want to highlight before we get out of here? I mean, Ryan Day. Yeah, Ryan Day, hot seat. Ryan Day, hot seat. I just want to say, I brought up the Ryan Day hot seat idea when? Like January, December last no, year? No, Tom. We mentioned it in the reaction to Ohio yeah, State, okay. Michigan. So November. And Bud thought that you and I were crazy and that it was just way too late at night and that we were going 22 minutes on a single game, but it was one of the threads mm-hmm. is that Ohio State is losing to Michigan two years in a row with the same head coach. If it's a third, then not just saying, saying we're seeing it a lot of different places. Now, a lot yeah. of different places have picked up this idea. I just don't forget who told you first. Yeah, no. The, I mean, and, and again, we said it and couched it from the very beginning mm-hmm. on that Saturday in November. I'm sitting there with COVID, but I can still see clearly. <laughs> and I was like, listen, it's not fair, but it's dumb. It is not reasonable, but stupid. that is not what we are dealing with when we are talking about Ohio State. Do you know who also uh, definitely agrees with you and thinks that Ryan Day should be on the hot seat? Who? Everybody trying to flip Jeremiah Smith. Everybody trying trying to flip Houston. Everybody trying to trying to flip Graham. Yeah. Right. Everybody trying to flip Justin Scott. Everybody trying to flip Aaron Scott and Aaron Nolan. Like, there are claims that people pick up that become very popular. Oh, they're just as wrong as the snowball builds as they were when they were first set. Like I'm telling you, it's not wrong though. It's stupid. All three of us agree that it is the dumbest idea ever. But if they lose to Michigan again, I am telling you. I mean, we saw it on we saw it on Ryan Day's face in Mm -hmm. that semifinal. That guy was coaching his balls off. He was doing (laughs) everything he could to like will that team to a win. Because after losing to Michigan for a second straight time, he knew that it's a different world around Columbus. So there's already a portion of the fan base getting the pitchforks ready, man. They're just, it's, yeah. 
just win that game, Ryan. Just win that. Like, it, winning a national championship. Like if you lose to Michigan but win a national championship, it'll be fine. But below the surface, it won't be fine. <laughs> it's just what we're dealing with. All right. Tomorrow, it's here. Our first locks episode of the 2023 season. Win totals locks in the rear view, but this is breaking down the games. This is the sicko stuff. This is the first halves, the team totals. Only seven games to pick from. I bet we're going to have eight plays each. I might have a first quarter team total. <laughs> no, first, first quarter, my world for a first quarter team total under two and a half. Let's where you go. get in scoring position and beads of sweat to start pouring down your face. Oh, I'm so happy it's here. So come and join us live Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern time, youtube.com slash cover three. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fennell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott three. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.